I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we're teeing up a dating show? I'm Jeff Braun. Spike Lee has a new movie on Netflix. I'll review The Five Bloods. We'll also tell you about a recently new show on Netflix called Snowpiercer. And we'll look at how what's going on in the real world is colliding with pop culture. And let's go to that Netflix movie from Spike Lee. Here's The Five Bloods. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. Bloods is about a group of black American veterans from the Vietnam War who head back to Nam in 2020 to search for the remains of a fallen comrade and to find the chest full of gold that they hid during the war. The movie stars Clark Peters, he was Lester on The Wire, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., he was Senator Clay Davis on The Wire, and yes, he does get to unleash his profane catchphrase here too, and Delroy Lindo, who we remember from a hundred different movies over the years and whom I hadn't seen in a long time and actually recently found myself wondering what he'd been up to. The Bloods also included Norm Lewis, who looked familiar, but has never had a big role in anything I've seen before. And the movie also co-stars Jonathan Majors, Johnny Nyan, Melanie Thierry, Paul Walter Hauser from Richard Jewell and Lee's Black Klansman, as well as the great Jean Renault and the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, in flashbacks as the fallen blood that the others go back to find. There are basically two kinds of war movies that come out of Hollywood. There's World War II movies that are almost always these big hero movies because they're triumphant and jingoistic and it's all earned because it was a justly fought and hard-earned win for the allies and then there are the vietnam movies they're not as justly fought of a war the u.s lost and the soldiers did not return home to parades and the like the vietnam movies are usually about soldiers with deep ptsd and this one is no different there's also the added layer that these particular soldiers are black and returned home to much less of a welcome than the white soldiers even did now spike lee obviously made this movie some time ago, but it is frighteningly prescient. He plays clips of black leaders making civil or making speeches at civil rights rallies in the 1960s, saying the same things that we've heard the past couple of weeks at Black Lives Matter rallies. Black Klansmen also fit its narrative to current times, but that was very much by design. This is more by coincidence, except of course that it's not coincidence. It is sadly that the story is still the same in so many ways as it was 50 years ago. So that is one of the themes that is coursing throughout this movie in the context of these old soldiers waxing poetic on how things were. And it is a Spike Lee movie, and he always has a lot to say about the black experience in America. The other themes include the friendship and bond among soldiers, and of course there's the direct action of the movie and these old men navigating their way through the Vietnamese jungle looking for their buried war treasure. 
The characters are interesting, and it is interesting that even though they share the soldier bond, it was a long time ago, and their lives have gone in different directions, and so on many levels, they don't even really like each other, but they do have a common goal in getting all this, this trash, treasure that's literally a chest full of gold bars. The CIA was using gold to pay off locals in-country during the war, apparently, and the Bloods were sent to retrieve it from a downed airplane. They get into a firefight with the Viet Cong at the crash site and decide they'll tell their commander that the VC took the gold, and meantime, they'll hide it and come back for it later. Now it's 50 years later, and they're trying to find it again as well. Their CEO, their commanding officer, Storm and Norman, who's played by Chadwick Boseman, is killed in that firefight, and they want to repatriate his remains. And they revere this guy to an astounding level. He's almost a god to all of them, even all these years later. Now, the styles that Spike Lee uses in this movie are pretty cool. The modern-day scenes are just gorgeous because Vietnam's a beautiful country, and Spike Lee takes advantage of shooting in this lush jungle. There's a lot of great shots of that. And so the present-day stuff looks like a normal movie, but then the flashbacks to the time of the war are a different story. They're shot in this old 4x3 format that old TVs used to be in with the black bars on the sides of your big TV and the colors are muted. And not only that, but for the flashbacks while Chadwick Boseman is playing Storm and Norman, the other Bloods are played by the same actors from the present day scenes. So it's 67 year old Delroy Lindo is playing 20 year old Delroy Lindo with no makeup or effects to age him down like we saw in The Irishman, for example. It's an interesting choice, and honestly, I'm glad Lee went that way so the audience and, well, me, I didn't have to try to figure out who was who because I admit at the beginning of almost every movie I watch, I have a little bit of anxiety about, oh no, am I going to be able to keep straight who everyone is? And when they first started sliding into a flashback, I thought, oh crap, now I'm going to have to try to match the young actors to the old actors and do I remember all the names and all this stuff? So I was thrilled when you know Clark Peters showed up beside Bozeman with a machine gun. Uh, it's a compelling movie. It moves swiftly, I thought, despite a two and a half hour running time. That was kind of daunting when I started and I saw how long it was, but there wasn't anything I'd really cut out of this movie. Maybe there's some speechifying in the second half that could be cut, but every time I thought that might be the case, the movie would just take hold of me again, so it didn't bother me at all. Delroy Lindo, I gotta say, is the real attraction here. He's suffering from pretty severe PTSD. We learn late in the movie why he may feel it more than the others, and his performance is very strong, as it always is when Delroy Lindo's in a movie. He's just one of the all-time greats. The depth he provides his character is considerably more than what you usually get from a Vietnam soldier with PTSD-type character, and it only deepens as the movie rolls along. I will be surprised and saddened if he does not get an Oscar nomination out of this. At this point, i got to say the movie must be a serious contender for a lot of Oscar nominations, but who knows what the rest of the year will bring both on and off screen for all of us. Right now, though, The Five Bloods is one of the best movies you can watch on Netflix this weekend. I highly recommend it. Four and a half couch cushions out of five, Brett. You know what? I didn't really have any interest in watching this, not because I you have anything against Spike Lee or have anything against war movies. I just got so many other things I want to watch, and I still have all those disaster movies from last week. But <laughs> after that scintillating review, I feel like I might need to check this out sooner than later. But there is... I a, would, go ahead. Sorry, I just did want to point out, I forgot to mention that uh, because these things don't get rated, I guess, like you do at movie theaters or whatever, there is a lot of violence, and there is a lot 
lot, lot of extremely coarse language in it. So just heads up about that. Hey, also new on uh, Netflix this weekend, season two of a show I really enjoyed last year. It's called Dating Around. I'm a hopeless romantic. Try my best to me are you my date? <laughs> I am. This is your first blind date? It is. I need a shot of tequila. Let's go. I haven't been in a relationship in like four years. Well, don't do that, face. Everybody's looking for the same thing, right? I don't know if you remember my Tinder profile. I swipe left. Oh, you swipe right because we messaged, so don't play. Born in Ohio, moved to Texas, born in Alabama. Let me write this down. <laughs> I'm interested in also dating women. I'm sorry, I'm bad at dates. You have this personality that I've never encountered. What was your favorite part? You. Aww. Normally the couch potatoes aren't about dating shows. I know we've talked about them before, like, you know, sort of the train wreck dating shows. But season one of Dating Around was excellent. It came out on Valentine's Day last year. Watched it with my then-girlfriend, and we loved it. First off, it's the best-looking dating show I've ever seen in terms of its production value. The camera work is slick. The editing is flawless. It is a truly immersive experience with no narration, which is nice because all these dating shows have cheese ball narration. In each episode, one single goes on several blind dates in the hopes of finding a match for a second date. The cast was super diverse in that first season. There were young people, middle-aged people, older people, people from different races that we're not used to seeing in dating shows. And there was same-sex romance, too. It was raw and sometimes not pretty because one of the dates went horribly bad because this guy, the blind... The guy that the the single went on a date with this guy, and he was a huge jerk. And they showed it all on camera. It's just it's one of the best dating shows I've ever seen, maybe the best. Season two follows that same format again, diverse cast, and even includes, as you heard in the clip, one woman who goes on dates with men and women. So it's a fun show. I highly recommend it. It's a short watch too. It's like six episodes per season, just under a half hour each. So you could plow through a season in one night, maybe even two seasons, if you're a hardcore binger. Great show, by the way, to watch as a couple. I'm single now, so it might feel a little weird watching it, but hell, I enjoyed it so much the first time around, so I think I need to check out season two. JB, is uh, your girlfriend into the dating shows? No, I don't think either one of us has ever really watched one fully and completely of any sort. Okay, all right. I was going to say, if she is, (laughs) then you might get a kick out of this because of, like, just as a couch potato and for appreciating its finer points. But if she's not into it, then whatever. Don't worry about it. Also, just want to quickly mention here that Disney Plus is releasing a movie this weekend that was supposed to be in theaters at the end of last month based on a popular series of books. It's Artemis Fowl. Hello? Your family has taken something of great value from us. Return it to me or I will destroy everything you love. You weren't supposed to see this yet. Your father is in a complicated profession. For years, he has protected powerful secrets that have kept mankind safe from the dangers of another world. It's time to face your destiny. What they call greatness. But we are not alone in this. All right. Save my father. Save the world. 
What is this, the TV show Heroes? Save my father, save the world, save the cheerleader, save the world! So Artemis Fowl is based on the beloved book series. It's a fantastical spellbinding adventure that follows a 12-year-old genius, Artemis Fowl, a descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds as he seeks to find his dad who has mysteriously disappeared. So with the help of his loyal protector, Butler, Artemis sets out to find him and in doing so uncovers an ancient underground civilization amazingly advanced world of fairies. So he deduces that his father's disappearance is somehow connected to the secretive, reclusive fairy world, and Artemis hatches a plan so dangerous that he ultimately finds himself in a perilous war of wits with the all-powerful fairies. That's the official description from Disney. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh. It stars Ferdia Shaw, uh, Josh Gad, Colin Farrell, Judy Dench, and uh, Nonzo Anozzi, to name a few. It looks like really good family fun. Again, this is supposed to be a theatrical release, so it looks great. So that's on Disney Plus this weekend if you're looking for something to watch with the family. Up next, we just want to run through a couple of quick things that happened this week in terms of how the real world has affected pop culture in a major way. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. There's been a lot of interesting stuff that's popped up this week in pop culture, so we wanted to run a quick gauntlet here in case you missed it, and we'll start with this. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That, of course, is Gone with the Wind, and HBO Max temporarily pulled Gone with the Wind this week from its streaming library so they can add historical context and denouncement of its racist depictions. Disney Plus did something similar with some of its movies like Dumbo. Uh, The 1939 film has long been criticized for romanticizing slavery and the Civil War-era American South. So that's just one example of how entertainment companies have been reacting in the wake of George, George Floyd's death in police custody in Minneapolis. And that leads us to cops. After 33 seasons on the air, Cops has been dropped by the Paramount Network as protests against police proliferate around the world. The show had been pulled temporarily from the air late last month when the protests aimed at police over the death of Floyd began gaining momentum. That move was made a permanent this past Tuesday. It's not clear whether the company that makes the show, Langley Productions, will try to find a new home for it. Also, A&E has canceled its hit docuseries Live PD. They pulled it last week and were reevaluating when to bring it back, but when Wednesday, they announced that they've scrapped the show for good. And another example of how pop culture is changing with the times. Some big changes on Looney Tunes. There's something screwy around here. So a couple of weeks back, HBO Max launched Looney Tunes Cartoons. It's a reboot sort of in the old style, like the animation looks like the old-timey Looney Tunes cartoons. But two of the characters are looking different these days. Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam no longer carry guns. In place of his shotgun, Elmer Fudd now carries a scythe. And I actually had to look up how to pronounce that because I never quite knew how to say it. Scythe. Yosemite Sam has just simply lost his signature revolvers. But they can still do the cartoonish violence so they can blow each other up with TNT. 
TNT, but Elmer Fudd can't carry a shotgun, so instead he carries around this terrifying scythe. scythe that the Grim Reaper carries that around, so he's swinging it at Bugs Bunny. Like The oh, notion man. that if he were to hit Bugs Bunny with it, he could chop him in half or decapitate him, that's okay, but, you know, getting blown, the shot in the face with a shotgun. Like, whenever they get shot in Looney Tunes, nothing ever happens to them. So, but I get it. I, I get it. It's just weird, Jeff. And have you seen what Elmer Fudd looks like now? No, I have not. But, it's uh, yeah, a scythe is a, that is a, it's a scary weapon for somebody to behold. That's scarier than a shotgun in many ways, like you said. Yeah, he looks, he looks creepy. He looks really, like, I think it might, I, I won't be surprised if kids are scared of Elmer <laughs> Fudd now. And then uh, one more thing to mention here, Jeff. Yeah, speaking of size, this came out on Tuesday. It was cool. The first trailer arrived for a highly anticipated movie. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Bill and Ted face the music. It's the threequel following 1989's Excellent Adventure and 91's Bogus Journey, in which William Sadler played the devil and carried a scythe. Uh, it was originally, not the devil, but he played death. It was originally set to debut in late August, but with things still up in the air from COVID-19, of course, they're now just saying summer 2020. Are you excited for Bill and Ted? I am. I'm going to have to rewatch those first two movies because I honestly haven't seen either of them probably since 1991 when Bogus Journey came out. Uh, I did enjoy them an awful lot when I was a kid, and I found myself pretty excited watching this trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's nice to see Keanu sort of playing something lighter. He's been so yeah. serious and violent. Morose not rose for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, up next, I want to tell you about a really cool show. I guess figure till the end, literally cool. That's on Netflix now. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. I can't actually remember if we previewed this last month because I know, Jeff, we discussed, oh, yeah, we got to mention this, by the way. And then I remember after one show saying, damn, we forgot to do this. So I don't know if I mentioned it the following week. But a new show has debuted on Netflix in the last month that is based on an excellent, excellent film. It's called Snowpiercer. all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. Now, the film Snowpiercer came out in 2013, directed by Bong Joon-ho, who directed last year's Best Picture winner, Parasite. That film starred Chris Evans, and it itself was based on a 1982 graphic novel called Le Transpersniege. Oh, I screwed that up. I, 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 I went to French immersion, and I just completely botched that. It came out more like something weird German. Transpersniege. All right, that's still awful. And now we have a TV show. Never forget who you are. A tailie. We figured out a way to survive in the shadows. How about we leave this hell behind? There's an idea traveling up train. And all it needs is a spark. We march to the engine! What is it you see when you look at this train? I see a fortress to class. I see a balance of need and speed and greed. 
I see 3,000 souls surviving on a planet determined to freeze all life in place. We're still in motion. Crush every last spark of this mutiny now. Forever. So the show first debuted on TNT in the U.S., and each week there's a new episode that lands on Netflix in Canada. They're now up to four episodes on Netflix. Now, what it's about is it's set somewhere in the future where the world has frozen over. As you heard, it's over, it's minus 100 degrees plus in Celsius outside. So it's cold, it is cold, and the only people left on the planet are the 3,000 people on this train. For some reason, the guy who runs this train foresaw this doom and built this massive 1,001 car train and this track that goes, I don't know how many countries it, it passes through. you got to imagine it doesn't cross an ocean. But uh, yeah, he, it just goes around and around and around and that's their existence. And it's, you know, there's uh, the tail section, the tailies as they call them, and they're basically like the scum of the earth. At least as far as the people on the train are concerned, there's third class, second class, and then first class. So it's very much uh, all about the class system. And the movie was super cool as it followed the, re- the Tailies revolution as they tried to make their way to the front of the train. And it was a pretty biting movie in terms of its commentary on uh, the way that we just treat each other as human beings. The TV show, because it's, you know, it's 10 episodes or 13 episodes, however many episodes it's going to be, versus a two-hour movie, gets to flesh out the story a lot more. But I was surprised when I saw that on Rotten Tomatoes it was only at 61%. Whereas the movie Snowpiercer was in the high 90s, if I if memory serves me. If you actually just give me one second, I'll double check that right now. So Snowpiercer, the... Uh, oh, come on, where are you? Oh, and of course the, the page just decided to refresh itself as I hit enter. Thank you, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so Snowpiercer, the movie, 94% and wow. uh, 61% for the television show. Which, uh, by the way, the, the the primary star, the big star in Snowpiercer is Jennifer Connelly. Uh, Chris Evans was the big star in the, the film. He played the, the guy, the Taley leading the revolution. And a guy named David Diggs plays uh, the equivalent character in this. So... I just I jotted down some notes as I was going along here with Super, with Snowpiercer. I liked the explanation at the beginning of how the Ice Age happened and how the Tailies came to be because I don't actually remember them explaining it in Snowpiercer. It just was like this was their world and we just kind of got immersed in it. Uh, David Diggs, there's there's a moment where. He gets real food for the first time in six years because the the stuff that they feed the tailies it's just like these gelatin bars, and uh, they have to catch rats and eat those. And imagine doing that, being stuck in a rail car for six years eating gel bars and rats. So when he finally gets real food for the first time in six years, it's truly like a wonderful moment of acting because you can feel, you feel what he's feeling in that moment. It's really incredible. 
But then I was kind of sad. I wrote down, kind of sucks that within 20 minutes, it's a crime procedural. Like, it just sort of becomes this, oh, there's a murder, and uh, this Taylor's a cop, so he's going to help solve the case. So I've only watched two episodes, and so far that the story is largely focused on this murder mystery. And not that I have a problem with a murder mystery. I just, well, I think I was hoping for something a little bit different, and we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, but fascinating production design amazing sets and uh the revolution attempt there is a revolution attempt it's impressively shot and brave and it's like creatively violent in the way that they sort of stage it uh but it's just so futile like the these tailies they live such a sad pathetic life also curious to know who maintains the track like, what if the snow piles up on the track? Who clears it? Because uh, the train never stops moving. So if they have to go through an avalanche, they have to go through an avalanche. And as we see in the second episode, the effects of that can be fairly devastating. I was also just curious to know, like, how do you quietly build a track that just goes around and around the most of the, the planet and <laughs> no one says anything? Um, but yeah, I, so far, I, I don't care about the 61%. I'm enjoying it. It's exciting. It's a really cool concept. So I would recommend checking out Snowpiercer. Again, that's on Netflix. Four episodes available now. And you can uh, get expect a new episode every week for the time being. Did you? I'll, I'll ask the question again. I just want to briefly mention it here. Did you watch any more of the Space Force? Me, I watched one more episode. I've seen three now, I think. Okay. I watched, yeah, yeah, that's right. I watched, they went to Congress to uh, make their pitch for more money. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, I finished it, and, uh, and I, you know, it got better. It really did get better as it went along. I, it, I wouldn't elevate it too great. It's still like okay. It's decent. the The writing. Yeah. The writing has got to improve in season two. Like, all the way through, there's a lot of really bad, lazy, juvenile writing. And the people in this show are above that. It felt, you know what it felt like? It felt like it was trying to be Veep with some of the characters, the way that they sort of snipped at each other. But it just was so clumsy. But I still enjoyed the story. And John Malkovich is so, so, so good. (laughs) So, I don't know. I would recommend it if you got nothing else to watch because it, it does have great star power in it, and it's a cool. I concept. will, I will try to finish it this coming week. I got more time to watch TV than I had this past week, I think. And also, I'm still, of course, cruising through my Cheers. I'm in halfway through season nine. I'm actually literally on episode 200 because they they had a 200th uh, episode special, which I'm watching uh, right now. So, uh, and that's I mean 75 more episodes of that to go. I'm trying to slow down on it a little bit to try and make it last a little bit longer and enjoy it instead of just plowing through it like I did the first few seasons, but we'll see. Okay. Like do you watch anything else other than Cheers these days? Not real. I finally finished watching uh, the last season we just had of the up the rebooted Magnum PI, so oh, God. Uh, and I'm still working on Lock and Key, which I think I started three or four months ago. Oh yeah, like it's been a while. I've only watched six of them so far. I, I watched like one episode a month of that, so okay. it's mostly it's mostly been just exclusively Cheers and movies I like. All right, well I did, wanted to mention this because I watched this a few weeks back and haven't had a chance to mention it. Not that it's, I mean, at, at this point it came out in June of 2019, so it's not exactly hot off the press. But I do feel like I need to mention it because it kind of puts a button on something that we've spent a lot of time talking about here on the Couch Potatoes. That's the Netflix corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is now defunct, and it ended with the third season of Jessica Jones. 
Hello? Jessica Jones. You are a cheater. You were given every advantage. Allowed to make mistake after mistake. You can't control yourself. You have no discipline. Just brute force. What do you want? I want you to die. Okay, so quick recap here for those maybe needing a reminder or just not familiar with the Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe. In uh, 2015, it started with season one of Daredevil, and then in November 2015, we got season one of Jessica Jones. She plays a woman with super strength, and she can jump really high, bordering on flight. She can't fly, but she can jump really high and far. And uh, she's a drunk. She's a private eye. She's a drunk. She hates her life. Uh, She's suffering from PTSD in that first season. And the first season was excellent. And then the second season came out in March of 2018 and was not as good. And then finally season three in June 2019. And I would say this was a strong improvement over its second season. It did take a while to get going because there's a serial killer who is the ultimate villain. But it takes a few episodes before we even meet this character. But once we meet the character, just fascinating character like I've never quite seen a serial killer like this before on television great performance overall this season was very dark which I kind of liked but Jessica the character like she hasn't really evolved. She just has these builds these walls around herself and hates everyone and wants everyone to know that she hates everyone, even though inside she has a heart of gold, but she just doesn't know how to let it out. It's just tiring when a character just can't evolve. Um, great transition imagery. I, just a random note that I like the 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 way that they they switch uh, from scene to scene. It, it very much feels like a comic book, especially the way that they they set the camera up sort of close up to the the, the foreground. Uh, so there's a huge contrast from the foreground to the background. So that's very comic booky. Since it's a show based on comic books, I figured that's something worth pointing out. But yeah, slow start. Business really picks up as it moves along. Uh, one of the characters kind of turns bad, and it just... it. it it's unconvincing. That's uh, Jerry Hogarth, the lawyer. I mean, she's not exactly a nice person to begin with, but she kind of becomes Jessica's another nemesis in this show, and it doesn't really make sense. But overall, season three was good, and it, it had a satisfying conclusion to the season, and I think it was actually a satisfying conclusion for this particular part of the MCU, which is now dead. All the Netflix shows have been canceled, so hopefully they pop up in some other format. I know they're talking about bringing Daredevil in, possibly as one of the Avengers on the film. So that's cool. So there you go. Uh, Snowpiercer, good. Space Force, okay. Jessica Jones Season 3, good. Up next, are we going back to the movies soon? We'll tell you what's happening in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Last week, we talked about the Honest trailer that had been released for Twister. And I was actually going to watch that this past Friday night, Jeff, but then uh, I ordered a pizza and I fell asleep waiting for the pizza to show up, so I never even got to to the pizza, or I didn't didn't watch the movie either, so that's... Thank um, God there wasn't really a twister around you would have missed, that would have just swept you right up. Yeah. Snooze through it. Well, the Screen Junkies have done it again. They released uh, an honest trailer for another summer blockbuster. Here we go. Are you ready for some big budget sci-fi with huge explosions? Crazy shootouts. 
and Killer Aliens. One 90s film had the courage to give you all that, plus be really horny. Thank you so much. Really super horny. I'd like to take a few pictures. The archives. The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element. I love The Fifth, fifth Element, starring Bruce Willis. It uh, It's a space opera like nothing that's ever come out. It, it has everything. It's got action, drama, romance, cool special effects. It is fun. And uh, the, watching this made me want to watch this movie again. So if you haven't seen it, look for the honest trailer for The Fifth Element. It's hilarious. Of course, they lovingly tear it apart again. But it is great. Also wanted to mention, just on the subject of disaster movies, I didn't get to Twister but I did watch Deep Impact, never did see that movie, which came out back in, uh, was it 98? Yep, same year as Armageddon. Okay, and I hated it. (laughs) I just hated it. it. Maybe it's because... I have an emotional attachment to Armageddon because I watched it as a younger man and I went to see it with this girl I was dating at the time. And, uh, you know, it was the kind of movie that played to my sensibilities. Like, it was just you know, big and explosions and whatever. And I never did see D- Deep Impact, but the, the the Rotten Tomatoes summary, which also was not good, said it gets swept away in a tidal wave of metal, melodrama. And I just thought it was cheesy and hokey and uh, stupid. And I kind of hated the ending. So, whatever. It was. I'm glad I finally watched it. I've, I've been curious for years. What's going on uh, at the movies? Well, movie theaters are actually preparing to reopen in the United States. After a blackout of about three months, movie fans can soon start making their way back to the theater if they want to. Global giant AMC says it hopes to have close to 100% of its theaters worldwide reopen to the public by the middle of next month. But the landscape will be different than what we were used to in the pre-COVID-19 era. AMC says it will limit seating to promote social distancing, figuring that only between 25 and 50% of seats will be made available. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. So in Canada, when theaters reopen will be up to individual provinces, I would imagine. That seems to be the way things are reopening so and but they will surely have to have social distancing and all that sort of stuff in effect when they do open so it would probably be a half capacity per screening room that sort of thing and that makes me wonder like would blockbusters even want to open in theaters if the theaters can only be half capacity or will they want to wait for three four five six months a year until they can get the full capacity like i don't see christopher nolan wanting to put out his movie tenant that's supposed to be one of the big things this summer to half-filled theaters maybe they what they should do is take all the oscar movies that are going to come out in december and put those out in the summer to half-filled theaters because they only sell half the tickets anyways when they do come out why not do that that's all the time we've got make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already i'm brett he's jeff we are the couch potatoes and remember If it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.